0: Did I say Mary Stressmas? Good to see you guys. Good to have you here. We've been enjoying our Christmas playlist, and you just heard the choir. Give another round of applause for the choir. They were great. It is great to have them there. Great that they were able to share with us. They, they kind of sang our song for today. Our song in our Christmas playlist is O Holy Night And all this season. If you've missed any of the services, you can get online. You can check them out. You can hear about it. Our heart for this whole season was that God would whisper a song story to you. That God has a plan for your life, and and during the Christmas season, we get to hear that a little stronger. We get to be a little more aware of that, and our hope was that through these songs that we talk about, this atmosphere, this environment of God speaking to you comes alive. And so today, we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about, Oh, Holy Night, who here loves this song? It's one of the most famous songs, one of the most beloved songs, was written by Placide Capoe. Anyone know Placide? He's a nice guy. Uh, Way back in the late 1800s in Paris, uh, he was a scoundrel. He was a guy that hung out in some bars and some questionable areas. But then there was a Paris priest who went to him and said, would you write a song? He was a world famous poet at the time. And so he took it on to write a poem on Luke chapter two. And as he got into that, as he started to pen the lyrics down, he realized this is, this is important stuff. So he found another scoundrel friend of his to put this to music, and it became what we know as O Holy Night. And the churches in Paris, and then in France, and then in all of Europe, it took off, and all these churches started to sing this song until they found out who wrote it. Then they tried to ban it. It was too late. It already got beloved. And then an interesting fact about it, in 1906, um, a Canadian professor, there we go, go Canada, right? <laughs> A Canadian professor in his garage invented what would become the very first AM uh, signal to be sent out. And he did it on Christmas Eve and he read Luke chapter two and then he played on his violin, "O Holy Night. So "O Holy Night was the very first song ever played on AM radio. We just sang it. Oh, holy night. Now, a little personal story. This is my mom's favorite song. Where's my mom? She's here today. There, you I'll embarrass her. I'm allowed to do that. Yeah, give my mom a round of applause. She deserves one. She raised me, so she deserves something. And uh, she, this is her favorite song, and she tells the story that her church, they, they planned a caroling time where they would go door to door, and they would start singing songs. And she said, even though this one was hard to sing with caroling, it was her favorite. We're definitely going to do that, along with Rudolph and Jingle Bells and the rest of them. And when they got to the first, the first place, they got there, and they started to sing the song, and it was just beautiful, and then all of a sudden they came to the part that you know it, the fall on your knees. And wouldn't you know it, my dad, fall on your knees. And she said, man, it ruined my song for the rest of our time, because all I could picture is, is your dad there on the floor of falling on his knees. This song speaks to us, right? Now, there's one particular phrase in this song that really, I think, captures me. And this is what I want to talk about. I want you to, to, to focus into just one phrase and hear a little bit of truth that comes through this song, because I think if we hear these lyrics, maybe read these lyrics, maybe kind of focus on these lyrics a little more, we live them. We know that these are true. This is what they are. Can we put those words out? It says this, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Now, the one words, the, the, the two words that jump off the screen to me are weary world, Who here has ever had a weary Christmas? Merry Stressmas, maybe, right? We've been there. We just saw the 12 days of stressful Christmas. We know that Christmas doesn't always bring the joy and the peace. Sometimes it is overwhelming how terrible and stressful Christmas can be. Do you know that 90% of Americans say that they are stressed out at the Christmas season? And probably the 10% lie about it. About 60% of Meri- Americans would say that they would skip Christmas, just cancel Christmas in their family if they had the choice because of the financial pressures. In fact, we're going to do a little bit of fun. I did a little bit of research. So I'm gonna need, I need everyone who is a millennial to stand Okay, go ahead, go ahead, if you're millennials, be proud, millennials, all right? Okay, everyone who is part of the Gen Xers, go ahead and stand. If you are a Gen Xers, stay up, millennials, Gen Xers, if you are Gen Xers, all right? And if you are a baby boomer, stand. And you don't know where you fit, just stand, okay? And then join one of those groups, okay? So, so he, he, here we are. So the, the, the baby boomers, how are you guys doing? I've researched, I've researched it. Here's your number one stress for Christmas. And after I say this, you can sit down, okay? Is you're worried about the health concerns of Christmas. That's what they said. The, the baby boomers are more worried about the health. That means all those, all those cookies that you eat, all the times the pastor makes you stand up in the middle of the service, right? Go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat, baby boomers. Now, no, Gen Xers, Gen Xers, you guys are the ones that are worried most about the finances, because you got all those gifts to buy, all the, all the presents you got to buy for your boss and everyone you work with. So Gen Xers, go ahead and see. Millennials, they say that you're most worried about time, most worried about fitting everything in, finding the time. Go ahead and have a seat, guys. So do you ever want to feel stressed yet? and when feel stressed out let me tell you the most stressful experience of my christmas every year and this is when we got to watch the most stressful christmas show around every time i watch this show it stresses me out i can't take it i have to go lay down it freaks me out because this this show is so so unbelievably just gets on my nerves as my heart rate rises and this, show, this is this is what it is okay this this is this is the show it's called Curious George. (laughs) They let that monkey do whatever he wants. It stresses me out. That monkey does things I'm not allowed to do. Where's your stress level at Christmas? A weary world. We know this. We feel this. Some of you are hiding behind the Christmas smile today. Some of you don't feel the joy and the peace and the happiness and the hope that's supposed to come at Christmas time. And it becomes weary. It becomes stressful. I, I know to you today, I'd like to, I'd like to give you a word of hope. I'd like to give you a word of, of how you might break through the stress of what happens. And the only way that I could figure out how to kind of set the stage for this is to, is to go into Scripture and to find probably the Old Testament person who was the most stressed out, and that was the person of Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah lived in a time where the temple and the city of Jerusalem was being destroyed and captured. And he sat there telling people to stay close to God and return to God and to be close to the God that they served. And yet, everywhere they turned, they went away from him and they faced being attacked, overrun, and taken over. And as the temple is taken over, as the temple is leveled, as Jerusalem is occupied by foreign troops and foreign soldiers, and in just a few days, weeks, all the people in Jerusalem are going to be forced to leave their homeland and exiled. And as he's seen all of this unfold, this is his prayer. It's in Lamentations chapter 3, and this is what he says. He says, so I say, my splendor is gone and all that I hoped for from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember then, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. I love this part because he's kind of overcome with this thought. It's kind of taken over a little bit. It's like he's all of a sudden focusing on on the terribleness, the stress, the anxiety, and then he says, no, I'm I'm going to make this conscious decision to focus on how good God is. And he gets so overcome with it that he starts kind of just telling God how great he is. Do you notice that? Great is your faithfulness. That's not your faithfulness. That's not his faithfulness. That's God's faithfulness. In the midst of his crying out, in the midst of his saying, oh man, life is terrible, but I have hope. And as he starts to think about how great that is, he says, you know what? You are my hope. You, God, I know things around me are falling apart, but you are my hope. Great is your faithfulness. Keep going, keep going. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord some of you are saying, sounds great, <laughs> sign me up. How do I get there? How do I find that? Well, if we go back to our phrase here, we, we see that this idea that this scoundrel wrote back in the early 1800s, he kind of caught a hold of what this truth is because there's the weary world in the middle, but it's kind of like this Christmas sandwich. You see what's, what's sandwiching the weary world? Is this idea of a thrill of hope and yonder breaks a new and glorious morn? You see, way back on that first Christmas, and let me tell you, that first Christmas was full of stress. How do I know that? Because there was a baby being born and there was no doctor. And if Joseph's got to deliver that baby, if I was Joseph, I would feel a little stressed. And it's in it a stable. There's a great video out there from Saturday Night Live and the the best line is it that all these people show up at the Christmas time and and Mary just had the baby and she doesn't want any visitors. And she says, every people are showing up and I look like hot hummus. (laughs) (laughs) You know the stress that comes with it. They're away from their home. They have no place to stay. They're in a place that's foreign to them even though it's their hometown. They're from Nazareth and we know that Nazareth was not a good place to be from. And just in a few months, the king is going to get jealous and try to kill their baby. Don't tell me it's not stressful Christmas. But here's the idea. Here's the hope, guys. Is, is today may be stressful, but when Jesus shows up, tomorrow can be totally different. Because tomorrow with Jesus is a new and glorious morn it can happen today for you. Take that conscious effort, focus on Jesus, tell him how great he is, accept him into your life, accept him into the process of what Christmas is, let him enter into your mess, let him enter into your stress, let him enter into your weariness, because great is his faithfulness, and his love endures forever. I heard just from our pastor in the Middle East, and he shared about someone who is part of this um, dominant culture. And the person came up to him and said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing about this Jesus that you talk about, and I don't know him, and I don't know what's going on with this. But, but here's what, what I, well, the question I have is, my brother, who's part of this dominant culture, not a Christian, has died. So where is he? And the good pastor is not going to say what the reality is. He says, I don't know. Maybe you need to ask God about that. So he did. This person who doesn't believe in Jesus at all asks Jesus to show him where his brother is. And that very night he has a dream. He has a dream of his brother reaching from the darkness saying, please, please choose light don't join me here. That morning, he calls our pastor and says, I want to join the light. What do I need to do? I want this to be a new and glorious morn. How about you? Is it time? Are you ready? Now, some of you might say, sounds great, (laughs) sounds awesome, sounds too good to be true. I mean, all I got to do is just kind of mumble some words or maybe come up here and fall on my knees and, and it all comes together, right? Give me something more to chew on and let me tell you, it could be that simple for you. But I know some of you guys don't like simple so let me give you some complex things to, to chew on, okay? Let me give you some harder things to chew on because we as humans like to say that we've got it all figured out, that we like to know the answer and sometimes the childness in us is beat down and we think we're smarter than ourselves and we need to have it all figured out. So I got, I got for, for all you people who are smarter than what you think you are, I got something for you, okay? For all you that are ready, just hang on. You can check out for the rest of the message. You could sleep. Some of you probably need to sleep. All right, you ready? Because here's the heart. Later on, as Jesus came and the church expanded, the church began to ask the same questions Is it really that easy? How do I find hope? And there's this great book later, after Jesus is gone. We don't know who wrote the book, but it was a great pastor. He's writing to kind of Jews that have converted into Christianity. And in the middle of that, he talks about this idea of hope. This is from uh, Hebrews chapter 10. It says, hold, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who is promised is faithful. Doesn't that sound like lamentations? His faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Now that sounds great. That sounds like a little bit like I just talked about. How do we do that? So he gives you two suggestions, two suggestions. This is what he says. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's go back to to verse 24 there if you want this hope, you want to hold unswervingly to the hope that you profess, let me give you two suggestions. One is to consider how you may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let me tell you, let me tell you, I I need I need to enter into my thankfulness mode, okay? Can we put that, can we put the screen up about the trees? Our trees for Haiti. Can we put that up there? This is great, okay? Because of your willingness and your giving. You have given enough money to plant 7,200 trees in the deforested area of Haiti. Thank you guys. Thank you. Praise the Lord, right? Praise the Lord. You have considered how you may spur one another on to love and good deeds, right? Right? Well, let's go to the, can we go to the can we go to the socks. You guys have seen out there. I want you, when you leave, I want you to walk out there by the big bags of socks. Who here has donated socks? Thank you so much. We are going to give every one of these socks to Whaley's Children's Center who helps people. Do you know that socks, I've said this a couple times, socks are the one of the most needed least donated items. And we've got probably 1000 pairs of socks. That's awesome. Consider how you might spur one another on to love and good deeds. I went to Mary a few weeks ago, and I said, you know what? It's weird this Christmas. I'm not feeling it. Usually, I'm all into Christmas. I mean, I got the Christmas tie. I got the Christmas cards. All my Facebook profile, it's all Christmas. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. This year, it's kind of like, when's, when's December 26 coming? I felt a little ashamed of that, and, and I shared with there. I don't know why I feel this way. I just don't feel Christmassy. I don't feel excited. What's wrong with me? I felt weary. It was funny because my, my daughter came up to me, Hannah, and she was experiencing the same thing. She said, you know, I, I know I asked for something for Christmas. I don't even know if I want that. And, and this, uh, I don't even know what I want for Christmas. I'd be fine with nothing for Christmas. And I'm like, oh man, my daughter's got the same weariness that I got. So, you know when I told her, like a good father pastor, I said, you need to get the Christmas spirit. So, go watch Elf <laughs> and come back and tell me how you feel. And I said, listen, here's what I need you to do, Hannah. I need you to focus in on other people. Make Christmas not about you. So when you go to school, find the lonely person in your class and befriend them. Reach out to that person. Give them the time of day. Talk to them. Encourage them. Consider how you might give gifts. What does your brother want for Christmas? Maybe ask him enter into his life, hear his heart. And the same for your daughter and your mom and the people at church. And you know my daughter, she's got the biggest ministry heart in the world. And that unlocked her Christmas spirit. That made it come alive. She's back there giving me the thumbs up, right? There you go. (laughs) But hey, here's the miracle. Here's the miracle. It changed my heart. By spurring her on to love and good deeds, pointing her in the right direction, away from herself and onto other people, where Jesus would focus his heart at Christmas time, not on giving gifts, I mean, not on getting gifts, but on receiving and giving the joy that comes in Christmas, focusing in on that. It changed my heart. And it's been a great last couple of weeks. I've watched Elf like 20 times. (laughs) But it's not just, let us not just consider how we might spur one another on to love and good deeds. Let me just talk just a moment about that. Tonight, we've got a great opportunity for you to partner with refugees. Refugees in Jordan. People that have lost their homes. I'm following on Twitter. I've seen the dominant culture in Mosul, okay? Mosul, Iraq that has gone in and have paved the way for all these Christian churches that are in Mosul are celebrating their first Christmas in years because they're free to do that. Those people that we're serving, these refugees, are people from this area that are not in their homes, that can't go back yet. They don't have the funds. They're foreigners in another land. They don't have resources. And yet our church, the church that we partner with, says Jesus would love you regardless of whether you're Christian, whether you're Jewish, whether you're Muslim, Whatever what you are, we want to love you. And we... This lonely church, this cool church in Davison says, we want to help you. So tonight, you can help. Consider how you might spur one another on to love and good deeds. Second point, don't get into the habit of not meeting together with each other. I know some of you think you can do life, even life with Jesus, without a church. But let me tell you, it was never designed that way. You might say there's problems in the church. You might say there's problems in this church. And I would say yes. Why? Because it's full of people, and people with problems. And guess what? It has pastors, pastors with problems, right? We all have problems, all right? So there always will be problems in the church. I don't know why Jesus did it, but this is the way he saves the world is through the church. And so don't get in the habit of not meeting together. They say people come to church about 1.9 times per month, and that's true. And I tell you, you, I know your lives are busy, but when you make time for church, a church that encourages you, a church that strengthens you and, and gives you the hope you need, it gives you the hope that you're craving at this moment in the middle of your weariness. Here's what I say. If you're not part of a church, we'd love to have you join here. But here's what I tell you to do. Join a church for six months. Don't just go for a week. Don't shop around. Pick one and give them Six months give them six months of your time. And if it doesn't give you the hope that you're craving right now, you get to June and it's not doing anything for you, then you go find another one. But give your life to the church. And I guarantee you, when you give your life and you serve and you help and you encourage, that all comes back on you tenfold. Because that's the way we're wired. How do I know this? I, didn't, I never said I would do this, but here we go. I'm going to do it anyway. i got some friends here in our church, and their names are Mendy and Tori Odom. They're sitting right there. I'm going to embarrass them. There they are. Okay. So um, two years ago, they came to our church, They've, and they, they realized that they needed to plug in. Okay? They didn't just need to show up at church. They needed to find a church home. And they came here, and they met us, and they said, we'll go to them anyway, even though they met Shane and Mary, right? They're going to do it anyway and they joined us, and they started to be part of a small group, and they started to come every week, and they brought their kids every week, and they showed up here, and they made sacrifices, and they gave financially, and they gave all into the church. And then Mindy's singing up here, Tori's leading Serve Our City programs, and let me tell you, you talk to them, and you can say their life has changed, not because of this church, but because Jesus showed up in this church for them. Last week, I had an individual. He's not here today. He was sitting right over there. And that, that the night before, Saturday night before, he got into the most, the most terrible fight with his wife. Last year, he wasn't coming to church. Last year, he couldn't care about church. But this year, he's sitting right there. He gets in this big, big fight with his wife. He gets up and leaves for the night. His wife freaks out. He freaks out. He comes here, He comes here for the morning. Sits right in that pew. I can see it on his face. I go and I greet him and he's, he's fighting back tears and I'm talking to him. I said, what's up, man? He's like, man, it was a rough night. Here's what happened. He laid it all out for me. I said, man, I'm sorry. I'm here for you. Can't pray with you. Want to join the marriage class? You know, what do I say? I so said, I'll make God speak to you. After the service, after the service, he found me out there and he said, you know what? I borrowed all of Pastor Glenn's sermon to send to my wife as an apology. I just quoted him the whole time and it worked. She forgave me and we're back together. Hey, don't get in the habit of not meeting together. Come on up. Come on up, Ben. We're going to close with O Holy Night. Your chance to sing it. And when you get to this phrase, I want you to sing it. Some of you might need be today, might need to come and fall on your knees. I'm just saying. (laughs) Some of you, these, these altars have played key points of your life and today is the day you're feeling God encourage you and you know you need to take over and you say, okay God, I need to, I need to hand my life to you. I'm, not, I'm running it into the ground. You can do a better job with it. Can you take over? Some of you might need to say, you know, find a way to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Some of you need to say, you know what? Pastor Shane, you're right. The reason I don't go to churches is because I've been hurt by churches. I don't find Jesus in churches. Let me tell you, Jesus shows up here often. Jesus could show up here for you. Today could be the day. Today could be your new and glorious morn. Heavenly Father, At this moment, we pray that you would invade our time. That you would encourage us and strengthen us. That yes, the nights are full of stress. The nights are full of weariness. I pray for the individual who's bold enough to say, yes, God, I need you, Jesus. That this could be their new and glorious morning. So come in only your power. And as we sing this song, let it be a prayer to you. We thank you for that holy night where you joined us, where you were God with us, Emmanuel, to save us, to set us free, to give us life and a purpose. We look to you in Jesus' name.